0: There are days in the past and days in the future, but there's only one day at a time. This edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement is specifically tied to December 22nd, 2021, a particular 24-hour period filled with equal parts anticipation, dread, potential, and other pensive emotions as the holiday of Christmas approaches. Will this be the last installment out before that future point? This question cannot be answered at this time. At least not by me, the host, Sean Tubbs. In today's edition, Governor-elect Yunkin appoints a veteran banker to serve as his finance secretary. A trade publication names Virginia as having the best business climate in the nation. A bridge in western Albemarle is shut down before repairs begin. A study is underway on where to locate a train station in the New River Valley. And Charlottesville City Council holds first reading on the use of a $5.5 million surplus, defers action on the Lewis Clark and Sacagawea statue, as well as a rezoning on Nassau Street. Today's first Patreon-fueled shout-out. Code for Charlottesville is seeking volunteers with tech data, design, and research skills to work on community service projects. Founded in September of 2019, Code for Charlottesville has worked on projects with the Legal Aid Justice Center, the Charlottesville Fire Department, and the Charlottesville Office of Human Rights. Visit CodeForCville.org to learn about those projects. The Virginia Department of Health reports another 5,972 new cases of COVID-19 today, and the percent positivity for PCR has risen to 10%. Today's case number is the highest it has been since the last week of January. The highest one-day total of the pandemic to date is 9,914, recorded on January 17th. On this day a year ago, there were 3,591 cases reported. A hundred and nine of today's cases are in the Blue Ridge Health District. Virginia reports another 50 COVID deaths today, with one of those in the Blue Ridge Health District. The University of Virginia will require students, faculty, and staff to receive booster shots in order to be on grounds next semester. According to a page on the Human Resources website, faculty and staff must get the shot by February 1st if they are eligible to do so. If not, they must demonstrate proof of a shot 30 days after their eligibility begins. Students must upload their proof by February 1st as well. Visit that website for more information. A small bridge in western Albemarle County that carries about 560 vehicles a day has been closed due to significant deterioration. Engineers with the Virginia Department of Transportation have been inspecting the bridge on Birches Creek Road across Stockton Creek due to known concerns and have decided to close the road until repairs are made. Here's a bit from the statement. VDOT bridge inspectors determined today that its condition was not safe for continued use. During the closure, traffic should detour around the bridge from U.S. 250 to Route 824, to Route 688, and back to Route 689. Follow that? Repairs will take place between now and January 7th when the bridge is expected to reopen. A trade publication that writes about economic development and site selection has named Virginia one of its states of the year. Business facilities named Virginia, Tennessee, and Massachusetts in their annual contest. Specifically, Virginia was named the overall best business climate. Massachusetts was honored with best workforce and educational system, and Tennessee was given the best deal making award. A press release in advance of their next publication states that Virginia was selected because of the steps many economic development councils in the Commonwealth, both local and statewide, are taking to make the area more attractive. The release cites the state's low unemployment rate, successful workforce development programs such as the Virginia Talent Acquisition Program and Fast Forward Virginia. According to an article on Virginia business, Virginia last won this award in 2018. For the third day in a row, Governor-elect Glenn Youngkin has named a member of his cabinet. Stephen Emery Cummings will be the next Secretary of Finance. Cummings is a veteran of several financial institutions, including a tenure as Global Head of Corporate and Investment Banking at Wachovia. According to a release, he has recently served as the president and CEO of Mitsubishi UFJ Financial Group. In a statement, Yuncan said that Cummings shares his vision of respecting Virginia's hard-earned tax dollars and ensuring the commonwealth's budget is managed effectively and efficiently. Yesterday, Yunkin announced Karen Merrick will serve as Secretary of Commerce and Trade. Several outlets have reported since that Yuncan founded the nonprofit Virginia Ready Initiative that Merrick has run since it was formed last summer during the pandemic. On Monday, data consultant Amy Rogstad-Gadera was named education secretary. Inauguration day is January 15th. The Virginia Passenger Rail Authority has launched a website for a feasibility study for where to locate a train station to serve the New River Valley. Earlier this year, outgoing Governor Ralph Northam announced an agreement with Norfolk Southern to extend passenger service from Roanoke to the valley for the first time since 1979. The state of Virginia will purchase 28.5 miles of track from Norfolk Southern, The feasibility is examining four locations. A community meeting will be held sometime this winter, and an initial survey is available. There's a link in the newsletter. Go back and listen to the May 6th, 2021 installment of this podcast to hear a segment from when Northam signed legislation authorizing an authority to raise funds for the future station. There's also another study underway to determine if Amtrak service should stop in Bedford, That's between Lynchburg and Roanoke on the northeast regional train that comes through Charlottesville. You can go back and listen to that, too. You're listening to Charlottesville Community Engagement, and it's time for the second Patreon-fueled shout-out. The Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Campaign is an initiative that wants you to grow native plants in gardens, public spaces, yards and farms in the northern Piedmont. Winter is here, but spring isn't too far away. This is a great time to begin getting ready to plan for the spring. Native plants provide habitat, ecosystem resiliency in the face of climate change, food sources for wildlife, and clean water. Start at the Plant Northern Piedmont Natives Facebook page and tell them that longtime Patreon supporter Lonnie Murray sent you! For the rest of the show today, we're going to have a little bit more from Charlottesville City Council. There's still more to come in a future edition of the program. But council has held the first of two readings and a public hearing on a mandated review of the city's budget for fiscal year 2021 which ended on june 30th of this year there's a five and a half million dollar surplus as well as a six point seven million dollar reserve fund of cash that was set aside for covid the latter was not tapped christopher cullinan is the city's finance director the audit has been completed and to close out the city's financial records Uh, For fiscal year 2021, several year and adjustments uh, require city council action. These adjustments are to carry over unspent funds from the last fiscal year to the current fiscal year. Cullinan said one of the two main recommendations are to put the COVID reserve into the city's capital improvement contingency fund. The other is to put the $5.5 million towards employee compensation. That includes both a bonus and an across-the-board salary increase of 6% for all employees with benefits. Uh, This is a market adjustment which recognizes the need for the city to retain and recruit qualified employees. This would happen before the results of a study on compensation in the city is completed. Ashley Marshall is one of two deputy city managers currently running the city. But what we do know is that the 6% is inadequate to raise us up to where we should be for equitable and appropriate pay. So we know that we're not going to find out later on nine months from now that 6% 6% was too much. That's not going to be the answer. Five people spoke at the public hearing, including Mark Cabot. Basically, just want to say that I would like to see a lot of this money, a good portion of it, be used towards the uh, affordable housing fund to kind of shore that up and get that going and uh, towards the goal that you all indicated in previously that you'd like to uh, have $10 million. Both Kimber Hawkey and Martha Smythe agreed with that position, and Tanisha Hudson did so as well. She continued that the city should spend money for housing on more than just the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority. I think that there's things the city could also do with purchasing land space um, and, you know, building things themselves as well. That's something that they need to work towards. Hudson said the cost of living adjustment should also extend to hourly employees as well. Rosea Parker, a newly appointed member of the Charlottesville Redevelopment and Housing Authority, said more of the funding should go to affordable housing, especially for programs to address homelessness. There are a lot of homeless people that are out here. You see them when you sit in front of City Hall. You see them as you walk up and down the uh, mall. You see them as you're driving up and down the different corridors of Charlottesville. Homelessness is a very threatening danger to people's lives, mentally, physically, and emotionally. After the hearing was closed, outgoing Charlottesville Mayor Nakia Walker said she wanted the $6.7 million to be used for a different purpose than putting it in the CIP Contingency Fund. The next council will decide how that funding would be used, and Walker will not get a vote. If we just simply transfer it to the CIP and then we have those um, asks that's just presented to council, um, randomly based on what's already on um, the funded or what makes it from the unfunded to the funded list. I just, I, I don't think that that um, serves us. Vice Mayor Cena McGill supported the transfer to the CIP due to a long list of capital needs. Because if we don't work on some of the basic infrastructure needs of our city as well, we're, I mean, that's that's where we pay for the a lot of the affordable housing grants through the CIP. And we're looking at a $75 million bill for one school. Cullinan said the idea of a contingency fund is to be ready for unforeseen events or cost overruns. Um, but I think the critical thing is, is that it gives you choices and it's cash, um, mm-hmm. which you, which you know, has um, uh, is easily accessible. You can make fairly quick decisions with, as opposed to, say, a bond issue, which obviously takes some time and effort. Council would have to approve any use of funds from the CIP contingency. The second reading of this matter will be held at the next City Council meeting on January 3rd. A proposal to rezone land on the eastern half of Nassau Street in the Belmont neighborhood did not move forward on Monday. Developer Nicole Scrow and engineer Justin Schimp are seeking a rezoning from R2 to R3 on about a half acre of land. Several members of the public asked council to deny the request due to the property being located within a floodplain as governed by the Federal Emergency Management Agency. Vice Mayor Sina McGill said she wanted more information from staff about the issue. I am concerned about the floodplain issue, and I am concerned about the design that is being submitted in a floodplain. Several other buildings have been constructed on that side of the street in recent years, including structures built by the Piedmont Community Land Trust. That project received $240,000 in funding from the Charlottesville Affordable Housing Fund. City Councilor Lloyd Snook also said he wanted more information about the floodplain. We're not required to act on this uh, tonight. I would like to defer it and ask the staff to give us a real feedback on on what the, what the flood danger is. The one thing I don't want to do is to end up saying we're going to put affordable housing, but we're going to put it in the floodplain. In recent years, SHIMP successfully petitioned FEMA to lower the elevations shown in the floodplain map by four feet. Tony Edwards is a development services manager in the city's public works department. The foundation for a building must be above where FEMA establishes the 100-year floodplain. This is the basis that we need to use because we follow the, the same methodology that FEMA um, provides, and this is what's been approved through FEMA's. James Freese, the city's director of Neighborhood Development Services, also weighed in. We know the floodplain legally has been defined where it is now based on the amended flood maps in the process that Mr. Edwards described. So that's legally, that's the location of the floodplain. Um, and that defines the elevation at which the building has to be built. Um, in terms of what can happen in an actual flood. That we can be less clear about, right? That's 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 less predictable. Fries said the question before council was the appropriate density at the location. By right structures could still be built. One new structure in the nine hundred block constructed in twenty eighteen is built on stilts to raise it out of the floodplain. Snook wanted more information. I'd like to have more expertise than I can bring there, take a look at it and tell me whether I'm all wet pardon the expression. Shimp said any further review would prove his assertion that building in the location would be safe. He agreed to the deferral and the item will come back at the second council meeting in January. Outgoing Mayor Nakia Walker said she would have voted against the request. Council spent nearly an hour and a half discussing the terms of how a statue removed from West Main Street will be treated in the future. Several parties agreed that the Lewis and Clark Exploratory Center should receive the statue for its continued display at their location in Dardentown Park. However, details about how the story of Sacagawea's involvement were not resolved during the conversation. Center officials and descendants of Sacagawea will continue negotiations, Alexandria Searles is the center's director. We're we're definitely willing to do that. I mean, we are invested, and in, and no matter what, we want relations, even without the statue. We want relationships with them, so the relationships are more important than the statue. I mean, I, we're willing to walk from the statue if we have to. As mentioned at the top of yesterday's newsletter, Council has hired the Robert Bob Group to perform the functions of the city manager. Council spent their closed session negotiating with the two firms that responded. Lisa Robertson is the city attorney. The fact that um, using an outside firm on a contract basis to provide these types of services, while it's not the normal manner in which The services are delivered is not unheard of and this type of contract has been used um, on occasion in other places and including other places in Virginia. The contract still has to be finalized after being written up. There was little to no discussion of the merits of either proposal in public session. In the resolution, Councillor Hill said the firm made the best proposal and offer with regards to price and quality. Walker abstained based on a sense that council should not vote to award the contract until it has been written up. Council will still have to ratify the contract. There is no public knowledge yet about how much the Robert Bob Group will be paid or who will be providing the services. In the newsletter, there's a link to several other articles about the work that the Robert Bob Group has done. Interesting things, and we'll be sure to learn a lot of them in the near future. And that's it for today's edition of Charlottesville Community Engagement, and there is still plenty more to come this year. However, there will not be a newsletter or podcast coming out tomorrow, and I'm not entirely sure when the next one's going to come out, but I am endeavoring to get one. It might even come out on Christmas Day, um, because there really is a lot that I still want to get through to catch up this year to get ready for the next one. Uh, We're already part of the way there, as you can hear in this newsletter, um, with uh, all sorts of discussions decisions that are going to be made by that next council on January 3rd. I will be there. Hopefully you'll be along continuing to listen to Charlottesville community engagement and to read it as well. Please do let me know how I'm doing. It's at the end of the year and I'm kind of reflecting back on what I have done, what I'd like to do. And I'm really looking for your feedback. It is Christmas and I promised there would be no direct pitches for how you can fund this but of course if you did want to look that up InfoSeville.com that's InfoSeville.com it's slightly better than it was a week ago and it contains all kinds of information about what uh, this whole endeavor is I'm Sean Tubbs as I said I'll be back in the near future with another installment in the meantime stay safe stay under no obligation that you need to listen to any of this until you're ready to do so but of course it's all here waiting for you This is the 299th edition of this program, and there will be at least 299 more, but not by tomorrow. It's going to take a couple years, but I am hoping to be there into the future, and I hope that you're along for the ride, too. Thanks again, and I think I already did the stay safe bit. Stay safe again!